If you enjoy our videos and podcasts and would like us to continue putting out regular quality content, head over to patreon.com forward slash aircrewinterview where you can donate monthly and in return you will get rewards ranging from early interview viewings, bonus clips, credited as a producer and much more. Thank you and enjoy. So Ate, when did you first become interested in aviation? Uh, from a very early age, my dad was with the French Air Force, and he served as an exchange officer at the Royal Air Force Lieutenant News. Not sure about the pronunciation. Yeah, you got it <laughs> back right. In the, <laughs> back in the days in Jet Provost. So my first school was actually in the UK. It was nor, um, north of York um, on the base. So I've been around jets for 30 years-ish. So that's why I always had some interest in aviation. And then as I grew older, I uh, got more interest in special forces, actually, because having a dad that flew jets, I was like, oh, it's not physical enough. It's not difficult enough. Let's try to, to go the uh, Commando Marine Special, like the SEALs, the French SEALs, Commando Uber, all that stuff. So I had interest in that. And then uh, I understood uh, from a military point of view, that your impact on the battlefield could be much more important as a fighter pilot. So I started gaining more interest again in aviation, and I ended up uh, joining the French Navy. So what year did you actually join the Navy? I joined in 2006, January of 2006, and I stayed uh, four, 14 years, uh, one for 14 years. Wow. And then there was an interesting thing. I don't know if this is a common occurrence, but you went to the U.S. to train. Can you talk us through this and some of the aircraft you trained on? Sure. Uh, I got my tra- so initially I got selected by the French Navy. Um, what is very specific about French military is you do not need a, um, a bachelor degree. Uh, you do need a university level degree to join as an officer. We have a very unique route that is basically reserved for pilots. Uh, you could either go through the academy and then it's like an engineer degree, all that stuff, and you'll get in charge of squadrons. You might become admiral or general in the Air Force, or you join um, right after high school. And I joined right after high school. Uh, so I, I, I've been out of high school for three months when I joined the military. And you don't have a college degree. I, I got one since. But it, it's a specific route, and um, it's two different types of training. So doing that curriculum, you get basically in the aircraft extremely fast. So at 21, um, barely illegal to drink alcohol in the US, I was sent uh, um, to Texas initially, then to Whitingfield, Florida to fly the T-34C, and then Meridian, Mississippi. And the reason why is the French Navy is extremely small. We train eight to 10 fire pilots a year. Uh, we used to have a school in France in Yer. Um, called Escadrille 59 the 59S squadron that was flying Zephyr, the Fuga for the Navy. And we stopped doing that um, because it was like too small to, because basically we removed all the fast jets from Yer, from the south of France, to move them in Brittany. And the weather being bad in Brittany, I guess it's not suitable mm. for our basic training. So we, we decided to, to do the training with the US, just like during World War II, basically. There was some exchange around World War II. And I did two and a half years with the Navy and graduated as a U.S. Naval Aviator. So we do the exact same curriculum as the U.S. Navy guys. And once we have our wings, we had, we dropped our first bombs in the U.S., ACM, BFM in the U.S., career qualification in the U.S. I got my career qualification on the USS R.E.S. Truman. And um, 
Six years later, I was tasked with combat air patrol in the Gulf to protect the Truman, which is pretty funny. <laughs> so, wow. so Truman enables us to create very special bounds with, uh, with our allies because they are French, they are Italians, a um, couple of guys from Spain as well, and of course, U.S. Marine, a couple of Air Force guys as well, and the Navy. Uh, honestly, it's the best time, of, best time of your career almost is through training in the U.S. It's, it's awesome. Uh, but then you went to, uh, when you went back to France, you went on to the Super Etendard. Did you know you were going to go onto that platform or did you choose it yourself? I requested Rafale and they yeah. told me, John, uh, you have good eye to end skills. You'll go on Super E and you'll have plenty of time to transition to the Rafale later. Uh, so I was okay. And actually, it's the best thing that happened to me because uh, I got the training, it's the old school training. Uh, when I started on Super E, it was Standard 4. And the autopilot wasn't even really workable. So you had to learn how to do closer support um, with uh, um, very, you know, the maps of 1,000 maps. So you have basically uh, your pencil, the map in the aircraft. You're flying with your with your knees, the aircraft, uh, while doing formation flying. And you're, like, drawing stuff and doing attacks with absolutely no system to help you out. Uh, so, so it's just awesome. So it was, like, I don't know, been being assigned to... Uh, the, the World Air Force Heritage Squadron or something. <laughs> <laughs> very old school. Something very old school. Um, and then it helped me a lot when I transitioned to Rafale um, because it teaches you how to look outside and you can easily do a, a flight in the Super E where you spend 99.5% of the time not looking at anything in the cockpit because you know exactly with muscle memory where the switches are and there is no screen to look at or that requires your attention. So you just move your fingers around to pop some switches and you can really, really look outside. And uh, I think it's awesome from an aviation point of view. So yeah, I flew 800 hours on the Super E, uh, ended up being instructor, uh, day qualification, night qualification. I haven't been in combat with the Super E. Um, I wasn't career qualified during the Libyan war, so I was liaison officer at the Kirk in uh, initially Rammstein and then Poggio Renatico. So I, I was a link man between the Navy and NATO, basically, at that point. And interesting experience, but I haven't been to combat with it, which is maybe not... I don't complain. Going to combat with a single seat, uh, a single engine aircraft is not as comfortable as a two-engine two aircraft. So, yeah, just going back a bit. So, yeah, what was the primary role of the aircraft and what were its strengths and weaknesses? Super étendard. So, hold on, I've got a model right here. So, it, it is a small aircraft. The Super is, yeah. is a pretty small aircraft. It's a pretty light. It's a 12.4 tons maximum takeoff weight. And as sadly... Um, you guys know in the UK, it has been designed to shoot at ships. Um, Falcon War, French sold five Super E to the Argentinian, sold a couple AM-39 missiles, um, did some, some damage um, to the Royal Navy because it's a very, very efficient um, platform to do that specifically. It has been designed to attack um, boats, remained very um, un undetected and, and fly low, fast, and shoot the missile. So, so it, it, do, it did that role extremely well. Um, from a military point of view, that's not exactly what we needed in the French Navy after the 80s. So we started transitioning into uh, air-to-ground attack aircraft uh, to do AI missions or closer support missions. And we had several upgrades. And some of the upgrades were really, really, really awesome. Uh, like we had the GBU-49, 
it's G, uh, GPS or laser guided bombs. You can select the angle of attack of the, the angle of impact. You can select the route of the bomb. Um, you could change the fusing of the bombs from the cockpit. So basically deciding on the attack heading of the bomb and changing the fuse of the bomb. As of today, the Rafale is not able to do it. Just no to way. Give you yeah, yeah, it's coming. It's coming. Very, it is coming. It's in the new version. It's open source, but it is coming. But right now, no. So basically, when we got rid of the Super E for full Rafale, and I was Rafale at that point, we're like, can we get some of the specs of the Super E in the Rafale? Because <laughs> we're losing some capabilities right now, which is insane. So we we requested the GBU 49 on the Rafale, got denied. There are also cool stuff on the Rafale. But just to give you an idea, toward the end of its career, it was a very very efficient aircraft. Uh, we would not be able to carry too many bombs. Um, usually you would have one GBU-49 in Iraq or two 125 kilograms. So in terms of capacity, it, it, it's a good aircraft, but it's not going to be able to take over a city. Yeah. <laughs> <Just> like <this. laughs> limited in, in the amount of munition you can take. We train in air-to-air as well. Um, we train, actually flew against ours. Um, so we were able to do ground control interception. We were training on uh, BFM, ICM, all that good stuff. And we had the Magic 2 missile, Magic 2 missile infrared. And we would train to do air-to-air -air interception as well. The radar was good enough to do some interceptions. So very versatile aircraft, yet no afterburner, small aircraft, but very reliable. Um, I mean, I, I used to have like one emergency every six weeks-ish. But it's good for training and yeah. experience. But, but, but none of those emergencies really led to a, a critical issue. I had a navigation issue at night. I had a hydraulic issue, engine-related issues, but it would still um, work. Tons of small vintage issues, if you can say so. Great to build experience, but nothing catastrophic. And if you look at the flight record of the, of the Super E, um, it went down from time to time due to bird strikes, stuff like that. Otherwise, it was a very, very reliable platform. And the flight controls were extremely smooth. Uh, it was a real pleasure to fly. We would do barrel rolls as two ship initially, then barrel rolls in close formation for ship. And we would do two ship barrel rolls at night as well uh, wow. during transition to the Super E, just to, to gain trust. I mean, to gain the tr to trust our leaders and to learn that we could trust our leaders as well. Uh, we stopped doing it on Rafale. <laughs> it's, just, <laughs> just, it's a bit old school, like the aircraft. <laughs> yeah. So actually, uh, before we move on to the Rafale, how did uh, the Super E fare in DACT against the types of the time? Did it Could it hold its own? Uh, there are a couple tricks you can use. Um, two against one. Beware of the Super E. Uh, one again, one uh, in TACT against what type of platform? Do you have against That's... Alpha Jet? Yeah, it depends. Um, so, so, so just to step back a little bit, what you have to understand about all those exercises that we do, like against the R or stuff like that, we you always use training rules. Um, it's not going to be like in the real world. Um, if you do, and I just finished a, a video against the R, but if you study let's say R against Super E, the type of training we would get was neutral setup, Fox 2 or guns only, mm -hmm. and post merge, for example. So basically, 
nothing like that is ever going to happen in real life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's like training, um, um, being for judo, and then going real world would be you go out in the street and five guys attack you. Um, what I mean by that is we can compare platforms, and yes, the Super E was a decent aircraft in those situations, but you basically just broke the arms of the opponent, and they had to only use one eye, and they yeah. couldn't kick you as they could, and they had to leave their knife and gun on the on the floor. Um, so, so that's why I'm always very careful when I talk about different types of aircraft, because people have to understand the scenarios and the training constraints we give ourselves, uh, which are... we which have a huge impact on, on the outcome. But the Super E was doing pretty, fairly good. And two Super E together, even against a modern aircraft, uh, you could easily shoot a Typhoon or a Rafale if the pilot is not very good. And if you trick him initially by having enough lateral and vertical separation and by forcing the new, the new jet to pick his fight because of all the training rules we gave him, he's not allowed maybe to cross with one guy, give, shoot a fuck three at you coming in and then kill the other guy. Yes, he won't be able to do both, so he has to select. And by doing that, you get yourself a, a control zone entry and you're able to get a shot. Uh, but I honestly think close air, I mean, the F-22 should, I mean, Rafale against F-22, the F-22 is supposed to win. And that's how it should be, taking Gs and taking decisions and telling your wingman do that, now do that, let the debrief, put your shades on and be like, hey, we, we nailed it, guys. Went with the burner on just for the show. As I'm climbing, I'm actually speaking on the radio and I'm laughing.